Chapter 17 Wait and See Brunch must have ended because I woke up in a wheelchair. They said my feet gave out, so two guards wheeled me into a spare room with a bed. The sheets were nice and cozy before Jane arrived when the guards left us alone. Did he hit you? asked Jane. Who? I looked at her puzzled. Did the king slap you? All of a sudden you were on the floor and they were carrying you out, said Jane. Oh, my face was feeling a bit numb. Then again, so was the rest of my body from those pills. My eyes began to close while Jane relaxed in the chair beside me when a vivid dream took hold of my mind as I drifted to sleep. A vision came upon me when I saw an opossum. This was the one named Cicero, and I was certain it was he. His palms were pressed together in the form of prayer over his heart while both his eyes were closed. What is permissible is not always honorable, said Cicero. The opossum wouldn't look. Just because we have a choice does not mean we have to make it. We can wait. Wait and see, said Cicero. Cicero's eyes opened and a fire from within began to glow around his pupils. There is a light within us all, said Cicero. Other animals crept through the brush, and one by one they all came forward. Large and small, some winged while others crawled. All of these animals had come with the same fire glowing within their eyes. A black wolf came and sat behind me, while an owl waited above. Then a family of foxes stood near when a ladybug landed on my thumb to investigate my skin. It only stayed a moment before it buzzed up towards the blue sky. I looked up and saw a hawk circling us all along. It had come down through the trees to claim its perch on a branch. It, too, had the fire within its eyes. Can you see the light behind the skin? said Cicero. We are your brothers and sisters. Here are your daughters and sons. All beings share this light because all energy comes from the one. Every creature had the light within his or her eyes, like a tame blaze, and this light was rising, then falling with each breath. And what light is this? The life force said Cicero. It is the energy of all. And if you can see the life in us, then we can see the light in you, said Cicero. One by one, the animals bowed and backed away into the woods. We mean no harm, no harm at all. Not unless you do, said Cicero. The vision slipped away, and then so did I. A ringing echoed across the room. I woke up with Jane poking me in the back. After dozing away, my eyes closed for a moment, but then the phone rang again and Jane leapt out of bed. Have you been getting my calls? asked the preacher's voice. Dinner is starting soon. You'll need to follow the light outside the door and it'll show you the way. Make sure you follow that light or you could be lost forever. Oh, and I left a present for a Moakley. Sign the contract and bring it to dinner. God commands it, said the preacher. Jane opened the door and a blue light was beating like a heartbeat through the floor. A much smaller contract was waiting beside it. Well, there's the light, said Jane. But my head feels like someone is hammering a nail inside of it. What happened at brunch? I asked her. Do you remember that pill we took? And it totally rattled my gems. I think I even lost a few, said Jane. She was digging through her coats, checking on all the stones when I fixed us a couple glasses of water. Hey, I think we'll see everyone at dinner. It sounded like they'll meet us there, right? Jane tilted her head but didn't say anything. Grabbing the contract, I noticed there were only 50 pages or so left. 
I rolled it up and stuffed it inside my coat beside the flint, the canvas, and my grandfather's arrowhead. And I don't care about the contract either. I'll sign it as long as everyone else is there. I stepped into the hallway when an orange dot began to glow beneath my feet. There were two lights leading Jane and I through various halls and tunnels, none of which were straight. All sorts of mysterious doors were built into these walls, some covered with paint, others plain wood, and some plated with steel or a metal lock. Then we passed one that was so mysterious I figured it could have been a portal to a stranger place than this. The hallways twisted and turned so far that I couldn't tell if we were going left or right anymore. It felt like we could be heading up, but then I began wondering if we were going down. Sure enough, the incline was too steep, and we began sliding on our backsides. When I stood up to round the next corner, the man in the gold mask appeared. Are you lost? asked Evol. Whoa, you scared me. I don't think we're lost because we're following the light. Hey, you're that guy from the video. He was balancing on the tips of his toes quite easily, and he wore the same black skin-tight membrane over his entire body so that none of his skin was exposed. Are you sure the light is taking you the right way? asked Evol. Our lights were blinking faster. Even Jane's blue dot knew we were running late when Evol reached into his pocket and held a bamboo flute to his lips. Leaning back against the wall, I realized we were beside a dark brick staircase heading down. Evol even gave a space to pass by when he breathed through the wooden tube. Peering down, I saw the eerie abyss while a sad and eerie tune rang out from the flute. I wanted to ask about the staircase, but I noticed Evol's eyes began glowing bright red. Well, what is it? asked Jane. He stopped playing and his eyes turned brown. This, said Evol. A cockroach scampered up the staircase and ran towards us with a furious pace. Without thinking, my heel stomped its head and squished the body flat before yellow gunk oozed out. So you're the one. You're the man who's willing to hurt God's creatures to protect the things you love, said Evol. I'll see you around, Amokli. When? Wait and see, said Evil. He continued his tune while Jane and I followed the flashing lights in the floor. I hadn't a clue where we were in the pyramid until we turned the next corner and a group of well-dressed humans were piled up outside a doorway. All their bodies were squeezed together in front of the mysterious marble door. There they are, said the preacher's voice. Excuse me, excuse me, God commands it. He slipped between the mobs of people to greet us. Got your contract, asked the preacher. I opened my coat to show him the rolled up papers. He nodded and took Jane's hand, and then she latched onto mine. Everyone move, God commands it, said the preacher. Bodies parted like a sea while the crowd squished against the walls until we reached a thick man. Is our family in there? I asked him. There should be three of them, added Jane. Otto, Manuka, and Levi are their names. Neither the preacher nor the guard answered. Instead, he raised the velvet bag above our heads. Pick, and I'll let you in, he said. The man shook the bag from above while the crowd looked on as my fingers slipped inside. It was filled with separate containers, or small bags from what I could feel. After a moment of feeling around, I pulled out a clear bag. It was plastic and empty. LSD, said the man. LS who? LSD, said the man. He was pointing at a tiny piece of paper waiting in the bottom. A stamp for mailing letters. I thought they'd be bigger. And have you seen anyone named Otto? Maybe Manuka's behind that door. Surely Levi's with them, too. Put it on your tongue. That's your ticket in, said the man. What? Why? 
God commands it, said the preacher. He opened the plastic for me, and the tiny square of paper tumbled onto my palm. It was so small that I knew it couldn't do any harm. I set the tab on my tongue before the guard held the velvet bag above Jane for her to pick. I could feel the paper on my tongue, and so I swallowed it whole. Meanwhile, the crowd of people behind us chanted, pick, and so Jane raised pick, her hand into the pick. bag where she selected a bottle of pills. The man guarding the door read the label and then held up three fingers. Take three, he ordered. Those blue pills are always fun, said a woman behind us. The massive door behind the man slid open when Jane read the directions on the orange pill bottle before swallowing two pills. He wiggled his third finger, and Jane emptied one more pill onto her hands before swallowing it. We slipped through the door with the preacher before the guard closed it behind us. I think three is too many, whispered Jane. She was right, but I knew better than to agree with her. My mind was getting clearer by the second because we'd arrived to a giant party. White pillars held up the room while swords, paintings, and relics lined the large space. The room was so deep that I couldn't even tell how many others were packed inside. Some sort of game or entertainment was happening down below. Stay close, I whispered. Following the preacher, he escorted us through a large crowd of people while I took hold of Jane's pill bottle. Benzo what? I read aloud. It was the name of the pills, but I'd never heard of them. Jane, if something bad happens, I want you to shake the pill bottle like this. I handed her the bottle while we passed through the crowd. We were among the grandest artifacts I'd ever seen. Then I noticed the spiral staircase descending down into the first pit where humans were trapped and guarded by a large man on top. Passing closer to the pit, the preacher led us up a different set of stairs, higher than everyone else. And the higher we walked, the more I saw. There were many pits dug into this vast room, and each one seemed to be a game or a challenge. And yet all the people stuck below had nothing but burlap sacks covering their bodies. Jane tugged my coat and pointed. The first pit was quite disturbing. The people below had lost their minds, while one woman tried negotiating with the guards on top. Instead of listening, the guards pushed her down the brick steps before she tumbled to the bottom and cried in agony. A younger woman was rocking back and forth on her butt in a terrible panic, while the only other man was hitting his head against the brick wall. Out of nowhere the king and queen came to sit beside us. "'You look stunning,' said Vianca. "'You're such a strong man.' "'So you're the queen?' "'Well, I'm his daughter, but I am the queen, too. "'Is that your girlfriend?' Bianca pointed to Jane." Ah, uh, my sister. So you are kinky, she added. Having a good conversation with my wife, asked the king, poking his head in. Of course, your queen is really great. And what is this? I pointed at the pit. It's boring, that's what it is, said the king. Can you believe this is what they call entertainment? They're all idiots. Come on, my boy, let's grab a drink. The men need to talk. My eyes looked back at Jane, who was scanning the crowd, but there was no sign of Otto, Manuka, or Levi. We were above the people when the king brought me among a group of men dressed in suits by the back bar. All of them had shining medals, accolades, pins, and honors fastened to their shoulders and chests. Gentlemen, the king spoke aloud, I'd like you to meet the historian. They call him Amaki. Amokli is how you say it, and it's nice to meet everyone. The bartender handed me a drink. Now, Amaki here grew up a little different than us, but he still believes in all the core values that will help make this place abundant again. Isn't that right? And he came all this way to deliver the contract he signed, said the king. Well, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. I pulled out the contract from inside my coat. 
I've been thinking about it a lot. The king grabbed it and flipped through the pages to the end. None of his generals spoke. Well, let me start by saying, Shh, said the king. His hand covered my mouth and held it shut. You didn't sign it? All of a sudden, my backbone started to tingle. The king said something, but again I felt a strange sensation spiraling up my back. The lights began shimmering from the ceiling, like tiny rainbows, and I could see each strand of light moving towards me like a wave. Oh, wow. What is it, boy? said the king. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, there was nothing I could say. Something was changing because it was happening all around me, and the fact that it was moving seemed strange to begin with. That's when I looked back to find Jane. One of the men poked my chest. I take it you've never met a king before, asked one of the generals. I couldn't stay here. Jane was gone and I began to worry when I couldn't see her. The king grabbed the back of my shirt and pulled me along with the others. Not so fast, said the king. The tails of each horseshoe crab swung from my shoulders when he yanked my body back into the group. Why didn't you sign it? I don't understand what's so difficult, said the king. Because right now you're as worthless as them. The generals were enjoying his rough behavior when he pushed me against the metal chains, corralling the masses from falling in. Looking down into the pit, Jane was near when the king pulled me through the crowd to a third pit across the way. Maybe you're meant to live out your life as a useless slave. Is that it? asked the king. This pit held no battle. Instead, it was filled with broken electronics, while two exhausted slaves worked in tandem to carry an old television up the spiral staircase. When they reached the top, the guards waited while the slaves tossed the TV back to the bottom. The two slaves began the trek back to toss more trash around. Pit of worth, said the king. I don't understand. You'd understand if you signed the contract, said the king. There was again. Jane was closer, but the king yanked me through the crowds toward another pit, and this pit was covered in paint. Here the slaves were dripping with different colors as they painted the walls from a bucket chained to their hip painting over the spots that hadn't even dried yet. Pit of paint, said the king. Otto, said Jane's voice. Otto, I, I turned to see Jane hovering over the chain links. Run, screamed Otto. Manuka and Levi looked up and dropped their brushes. That's them. I'll sign it if you let him go. The king yanked my arm and pulled me away from the pit. When I watched Otto and Levi run up the steps while Manuka screamed for help. The contract isn't a trade, said the king. You don't get to make the conditions. I say what goes in the contract and who goes in the pit. Get them out, I told the king. That's my family. Family, said the king. But he is black and you're brown shit. Five generals picked me up and carried me above the crowds as I thrashed against the sea of people. Lights were beaming down, colors shifting. They threw me into a back hallway, away from the people. Where's Jane? They tossed her in a moment later, and she they were squeezing me out of their circle and pulling Jane with them instead. I was losing control fast and needed to confront the king, but then someone tugged at my arm. Cheers, said Bianca. She handed me a glass of red wine. What did they give you? She asked. I took Ellis, LSD, the paper stamp. And I think I have something to help, said Bianca. She was rummaging through her bag of pills while I looked down at the cup in my hands. Inside the glass, my reflection stared back while ripples ran across the surface. It was my reflection, but why were my eyes misplaced? Then my cheeks and nose, I pushed the cup into her hands. Then I looked left and right, because the king and his generals were taking Jane up a back staircase without me. Jane! Do you trust me? said Bianca. She tried to hand me the cup back, but I wouldn't take it. Instead, I stumbled up toward the back staircase after Jane. 
They pulled her up the stairs. There was a hatch up there, but my legs tripped on the first step, and so I climbed towards the glowing yellow light. Poking my head into the new room, they were walking away with my sister when I saw ancient animals preserved in a final resting pose. All these animals were stationary, glued in place and ready to pounce. A giant white bear was standing with its claws ready to attack, and the longer I looked, the more its fur began to ooze. The ear was dripping wet, and its open jaw began to twist. twist. I'm going to show you something, said Bianca, tugging on my heel. The The energy was ugly, ugly, despicable, and spreading like oil in an ocean. I stepped through the hatch, and Bianca followed behind. She pulled, she pulled me, me back, back while my, my eyes, eyes pleaded, pleaded with her. Looking, looking into her, her pupils, pupils, I heard a tale, tale of human connection, connection I'd never heard. Her gaze was powerful, something I could get lost in for days, or weeks, or maybe even for a lifetime if I stared long enough. Looking deep into Bianca's eyes, I watched every ray of light flow into her. Do you trust me? asked Bianca. Out of everyone here, Bianca was the closest to the king. If anyone could help, then she could do it. Do you trust me? She asked a third time. I was to trust this conviction you trained your life for. Of course she could help. She had to, and that's why I had to trust her. She raised her cup into my hands. I trust you, I whispered. Her fingers held up a small vial before she poured it into the cup. Ripples chased each other to the rim of the cup while bubbles sprouted up. This will help with the trip, she said. Drink it. I didn't understand, but I didn't hesitate either. Isn't that what trust is about? To believe in the possibility of what it could be over the certainty of doubt's disbelief. Tilting the cup back, I drank it all. And when I finished it, a new sense of trust echoed down my throat and rattled into my belly. But what had I done? I trusted her with yet another drug. Just as I thought it, a burst of strength shot through my legs. The body was prime, my mind clear, and Bianca appeared perfect in every way. What's happening here? Why all the drugs? I'm pretty high too, she whispered. She moved an inch from my ear. I felt her lashes against my cheeks before her voice spoke. Sometimes we have to wait and see, said Bianca. I know it all seems so bad, but I've lived in this pyramid all my life. The more you fight it, the more it fights against you. Just let it be, said Bianca. Her lips kissed my cheek, but as she pulled me closer, I got caught in her gaze. Have you ever seen yourself in someone else? When your reflection is shimmering on your pupil, to be so absorbed by a feeling that time stops still, when sound goes mute and the surrounding colors fade to gray, when everything goes numb except for the courage flowing through your veins, her silhouette was absorbing every pigment in the room while rare beauty radiated through her skin. An entire world went dull behind her, and the longer I stared, the more I saw myself. She leaned in to kiss me again, but I was caught living in an ugly world when I grabbed her by the throat. Where's your king? Desperation overcame her eyes. She pointed to the back of the room where the men had taken Jane behind an array of preserved animal bodies. They circled my sister, petting her body on all sides when I released Bianca and proceeded to face the king. Strong feet pounded against the floor until I stood toe-to-toe with the generals. Stop or else... The generals formed a wall in between the king and I. Indian boy, there you are, said the king. Now about your soul contract, it's already written, so you'll have to trust me. Trust. Freedom, and I'll sign it. Sign it, or I promise the worst is yet to come, said the king. Whatever Bianca had given me began to echo through my veins. I let her into my heart, and now it was trembling. I thought I'd felt the fear before, but never like this. 
There was only one way I'd beat him. This was his pyramid, his world, and even the generals obeyed his rules. There was no way I'd win with force. There was only one thing left to try. I'm taking Jane back to the forest, and I'm taking the rest of my family too. We're leaving now. Did they hear me? Was it my voice talking? We'll try again. We're heading home now, I ordered. Oh, really, said the king. A general snuck his way behind me and kicked the back of my knee before I collapsed. Looking up, I was more aware than I'd ever been. I was so aware of how aware my awareness had become that I caught the king's nostrils heaving in and out above me. Jane was bawling on the floors. Tears fled down her And maybe face. if I showed the king real love, then he'd understand. What about love? But the king was too upset to listen and pushed me back down. All that you say comes from fear, and this fear does not serve the people. If you torture your people in pits, then how could they love you? They only follow you because they're afraid, and... A general reached forward and threw me back to the ground. When I rose for a third time, I heard my intuition speak. If you free my family, I'll teach you how to love. I'll even stay behind if you let them go. How do you suppose they're leaving? asked the king. No one knows the way out but me. I raised my arm and set it on the king's shoulder. This was my arm, and now he was aware of it too. Looking into the depths of his soul, I could see there was hope. A tiny array was glowing inside his pupil, and it was begging for me to notice. Deep down, this man was born of the same life source that had been given to me. I forgive you, but you're going to show us the way to the forest because that's what friends do. A void captured the room. All the energy shifted to us, and now everyone was curious of what the king might do. You think I'm going to take you out? Well, let me tell you something. I'm like that lion, said the king, pointing to a dead beast preserved on the stand behind me. Do you know what happens when you're in the lion's kingdom? You're my bitch. You play by my rules. Sign the paper, or I'll stuff your body and mount you on the wall like the rest of these animals. There was only one way to make him believe me. He was using fear against but me. But only love could solve all the pain that had hurt him years before we'd met. Wrapping my arms around his body, I tried to give him love, to show him that a hug wanted no trouble. But before I could lock my arms around him, he threw me to the ground. Faggot, yelled the king. Not a single general tried to help. They were all caught in the fear. And now I understood why love was so important. When you hate, hate grows, just like love. It's contagious. No, you're afraid. You're all afraid from the fear. Sprawling out on the floor, my own limbs were tangled in a mess weighing me down. How had I managed to make this body function before? Now these feet could barely stand. And goodness, these arms didn't even feel like mine. Was I dying? Was it the end? I looked to Jane, who was sitting in the corner, hugging her knees. I don't care if he sobers up. Make him sign the papers today, said the king. The generals took hold of me from all sides. No, you're taking us home right now. My body was upright again. Yes, the body was working. Get him out of here, said the king. They pulled me by my arms and dragged me across the cold floors. The land was weeping beneath me while I tried to hold on. I looked to Jane while she shook the orange medicine bottle in distress. The door closed and she disappeared. They pulled me through many doors away from the crowds while I watched the orange ceiling light flash overhead until they tossed me in a small white room. They closed the door and turned the lock when I realized there was no handle to get out. Don't, Don't you, you dare, dare think, think about, about coming, coming out. out. Do you hear me? asked the voice. Do we hear him? Yes, I can hear you. Their feet marched away while I looked into the pale walls of this room. 
This tiny cell confined me, and I tried to open the door, but there was no latch. And why wasn't there contrast? This space was all white. You need more than just white or you'll go crazy. I'd been stuck in a white room all my life and- A vortex took hold of my senses. Reaching up, an arm flicked off the light switch before I disappeared into the dark void. Whoa. Darkness swallowed my body. Every limb was floating in place with all of its grand nothingness. This was the opposite of the light. My mind was trapped in this darkness when the tears began to shimmer like a pond. And soon I started floating in the water. That's when I took to the canoe and watched my past, present, and future all meet in the center. Here I was, at the peak of creation, in the exact moment it all happened, with nothing but a simple vessel to travel. It was up to me to save us, and I needed to make better choices from here on out to escape this maze. Slow and steady, my arms took hold of a paddle to propel the canoe forward. The oar dipped into the water while my memories rippled past. There was no order in these experiences, no time to organize it all. A red string tied all my memories together, floating free through empty space all along. I wanted to cry out of joy. I wanted to weep with all the pain. It was so heavy, and yet I couldn't stop watching with each moment as my life passed me by. Oh, what a blessing it is to be in this moment, and what a curse it is to watch it vanish. Hold on, it's coming back. Yes, here the moment comes again. And there it goes. I watched my life take form of a single ball. The tiny sum of my experiences plummeted into the sea around me and rippled through the water, forcing my canoe to dissipate. I reached for something stable, but we were gone. You and I were lost in the void. Then a light began to glow. It was not from the river, but rather within the ocean. My body reached for the radiant glow, and I felt my own forehead. A knock on the door grabbed my attention, reaching up my press the light switch on. White walls reappeared before my outstretched arm. These are your hands. My hands. Yes, our hands. And what happens to these hands when I die? The knock sounded on the door again. Who's there? I asked. Well, you're here, aren't you? Yes, I'm here. I was caught in a loop. It's me, said the woman's voice. The mental loop turned to silence. Wait, I'm me. Who are you? A Mowgli, is that you? She paused. Yes, that's me. I've been a bad girl, and I need to make it up to you, said Bianca. Pressing my ear against the door, I heard a key move into the lock. Bianca pushed the door open, and I fell back onto the bed before she slammed the door shut behind her. Pink hair was flowing over the leather dress when she released two of its straps around her waist. The dress opened, her skin was naked, and my insides caught on fire. You've been a naughty boy, said Bianca, and I'm your kinky girl now. Big dark circles were under her eyes, just like Jane's when I saw her leaving. Wait, where's Jane? She revealed a long leather whip from the inside of her tall black boots. The tip of it touched my chest, then she licked it. Raising it high, she slapped it against my thigh. Ouch! Stop it! A stinging sensation rattled through my skin, but my gaze was caught on those two perfect nipples. Or would you rather spank me? asked Bianca. What? Why? Hit me, she demanded. Huh? Hit me, she insisted. No. She raised the whip and smacked it against my chest, so I jumped further back onto the bed. Bianca leapt on top of me and ripped my jacket open before mounting me. Dazed and thrilled, I observed her body while she pulled my orange jumpsuit down to my waist. 
then her skin was on mine, and I was stuck between those breasts. Her lips now. kissed my chest, and then was salivating for a And taste. I wanted to kiss every oh, part of her taste them. I suppose this could be one of those addictions I read about. My pants were getting really tight because the penis you want to taste, then taste all of me, said Bianca. Sinking in this cloud, she straddled my body and took off her boots while my mind raced against her body hovered above my eyes while I stared at those Hey, you ripped my clothes. The orange uniform was torn. It was down to my waist and she was yanking it down even harder. Wait, what are we doing? Clarity flashed through my mind when she pulled my uniform over my hips. My hands latched onto my jumpsuit before she got them to my knees. Stop it or I'll use the whip again, said Bianca. I pulled my pants up to my waist. What are we doing? A knock on the door echoed through the room. Amaki, I need to talk to you, said the king. Acting like a child is unacceptable here, especially considering the circumstance. Don't you ever disrespect me like that again. Do you hear me? His fist pounded on the door. What are we doing? I whispered. One little lick won't hurt, Bianca begged. I need some extraterrestrial cock in my life. Please. Open the door, said the king. Keys jiggled outside. Unlock it, said the king. Remember how some parts of life are impossible to describe? In a fight to keep my legs covered, the door swung open while Bianca's naked body sat on top of me. At that moment, time stood still long enough for me to understand what was happening. Someone had taken my canoe, that, and I'd probably need to discuss my friendship with the king on a deeper level, considering I was half-naked below his daughter. You whore, yelled the king. Well, technically, she's his wife, too, which makes it even more complicated. The king grabbed Bianca by her hair and pulled her off the bed. He raised his arm and swung to hit her, but my instinct was heightened. I leapt forward and caught his fist mid-swing. I always thought he was strong, and now I knew for sure. His fist was in my fingers when my eyes begged him to understand the power of love. But why wouldn't he accept it? His other hand swung at me, but I moved my head and his rings barely caught my neck. He was using hate against me. I taught him a lesson when I pushed him out the doorway. His body tumbled like a pear falling from a fruit basket as the room went silent. Yep. He did look like a big giant pear. You motherfucker, said the king, screaming to his feet. You don't know who you're up against. Grab it. Men in uniform entered the room and walked towards me. You have the right to remain silent, said one of them, restraining my arms behind my back. Anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of God. They spoke so fast I couldn't even understand what they were saying. It was all a big misunderstanding. They thanked me he didn't hit her. He could have really hurt Bianca. The king was trying to cover her chest when they dragged me out of the room when I said the only thing I knew for sure. I love you. The guards stopped. What did you say? asked the king. All the eyes shifted to me. I love all of you no matter who you are. Take it back, ordered the king. You can't take it back. It's real love we're talking about. And I think that's what makes life so special, when you learn to love without regrets. You don't know shit about life, said the king. Take me to extraction. They were wrapping me up. Both arms were pinned inside a vest, but I couldn't move. Wait, is he about to punch you? Oh, he's taking a step back. The king's rings hit my face. Then it all went black.